On today's episode, we are continuing a conversation we've had on this podcast multiple times, but with a totally new perspective. Today, we are talking about acid reflux. According to the National Gastrointestinal Survey in 2015, with over 70,000 participants, 30% of these participants experienced acid reflux on a weekly basis. And within that group, another 35% of participants experienced acid reflux even with taking PPIs, a pharmaceutical that's designed to block acid production in the stomach and theoretically end acid reflux. Among the participants, the most common individual demographics to have acid reflux were younger individuals, women, Latinos, and participants with irritable bowel syndrome or Crohn's disease. Amongst my clients and after talking with many people, it's pretty clear that acid reflux is a fairly common experience for many people, and for some of us, it's a near constant experience. So the big question is, why do we get acid reflux, and why does acid reflux persist even after taking medication and pharmaceuticals that are supposed to stop it? On today's episode, I'm diving into a rarely discussed topic in acid reflux that I am finding is a key solution in solving this stubborn GI problem. And the solution is fascia. Today, we are continuing our series from last week, and I'm going to be teaching you about how your physical body could be perpetuating your acid reflux, what key anatomical structures are involved in acid reflux, and at the end of the show, I'm also going to be teaching you some practical steps that you can use today to evaluate if your fascia could be causing your stubborn acid reflux. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clinics clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. All right, guys. So before we get into today's episode, I just want you to know that we have several other podcast episodes on acid reflux that are great resources to holistically care for and reduce acid reflux in your life. Today's episode is just another layer that is adding on to the problem of acid reflux and why it's, it is 
a multi-layer problem and requires often a multi-layer solution for people to really deal with. But if you want to dive into more of our functional medicine episodes on acid reflux, I encourage you to check out our links in the show notes or go to episode 24, which is five ways to heal your acid reflux without pharmaceuticals and episode 68, 10 markers on your blood work that you can review today to find the root cause of your acid reflux. Those episodes get a little bit more into some of the functional medicine approach and kind of referring to the biochemical aspect of acid reflux. And again, acid reflux is not a problem of the foods you eat or how much you're chewing or not chewing. It's not mechanical, um, but it is a real problem and there's several ways that you can deal with it. And so today is just, I just want to have a disclaimer or at least a, a note that today's episode is extremely helpful and relevant for people with acid reflux. Um, but however, it's not the only thing that we have in this podcast where we talk about acid reflux. So check out the link in the show notes for episode 24 and episode 68. They are great episodes. The other thing I do want to note is I am recording today from my parents' house and they are currently um, getting a lot of construction done on the house, which I did not know was going to be happening. So if you hear any any noises, I apologize. There's just lots of stuff going on. I have picked the quietest room in the house that I know of. However, I ask that you do forgive me if you do hear some other sounds in the background. Well, without further ado, the way I wanted to start off this episode is um, by first, again, saying we're continuing our conversation that we started last week on fascia in the body and how fascia is this connective tissue. It's more abundant than muscles or bones or skin or any other uh, tissue in the body. And it goes from your feet to the top of your head, from your hands to your hips. It's everywhere and it's connecting everything from your organs to your muscles, to your skin, to your bones. Fascia is everywhere. And if you haven't listened to last week last week's episode, it is episode 90, Fascia 101. I highly recommend that. It's going to give you a lot of groundwork that we're going to be expounding on today, specifically related to how fascia both messes up our, our stomach and then causes acid reflux, and then how we solve and, and can actually find solutions through healing our fascia and reducing restrictions in this tissue issue so that our body can function better. So that is some of the background story. And then without further ado, I wanted to start off today's episode with a client story. And so this client story comes from one of my clients who came to me a little while ago. We're going to call her Elizabeth. She came to me a couple years ago after being diagnosed with gastroparesis, and she'd had that diagnosis for about six months. And as a quick um, background and context, gastroparesis is kind of like acid reflux on steroids, <laughs> where acid reflux is one of the symptoms of gastroparesis. But technically, what's going on in gastroparesis is that doctors are able to do a test and actually see that the stomach is not emptying very quickly. And there, there's a very specific rate that they are looking for the stomach to be able to empty its contents. And if it's not, it's considered gastroparesis. If you can hear in the, even the, the name or the word gastroparesis, the paresis means basically they're saying you've got some form of a paralyzed stomach. 
And there's different degrees of intensity of that paralysis. But the overarching uh, result is going to be lots of acid reflux, lots of discomfort with eating, quick feelings of fullness, often weight loss because you can't eat enough calories that your body actually needs. Um, this It's an incredibly uncomfortable um diagnosis to have and you can often have a lot of food restrictions because um, the stomach is just it's not able to digest normally and so you have to eat very non-acidic foods etc and uh, just a quick note acidic food is not the enemy with acid reflux our bodies were designed to handle citric food like oranges and apples and um, we were designed to be able to eat spicy food with spices, um, you know, peppers, all sorts of stuff, right? Like our bodies are designed for that. So if we're not able to eat them while avoiding those things might help mitigate certain symptoms, they are not the solution. The solution isn't like, oh, you just can't eat tomatoes the rest of your life. It's actually saying, okay, maybe for now, don't eat so many tomato-based products, but let's go look for the real solution. And that is my approach with my clients. And we've had so many clients come to us, including my client, Elizabeth, who was on an incredibly restricted diet, both in quantity of food and types of food that she could eat. Um, and she had this diagnosis. So before she came to me or when she came to me for her first appointment, she was on multiple PPIs, proton pump inhibitors. These are medications. Um, multiple being she had took one in the morning, she took one at night, which I had never heard of prior to that. But she was basically one at morning, one at night, every single day just to try and keep her acid reflux down. She couldn't eat very much. She was had significant weight loss, you know, like her clothes were just really hanging off of her. She was fatigued all the time due to not getting enough calories and nutrients. She had acid reflux still with every meal. She had acid reflux at night, which was impacting her sleep. So she wasn't sleeping very well. She had a lot of fear in her life of, you know, what's what does my health trajectory look like if I'm continue to lose weight and can't eat with other people? Um, she was contemplating surgery. Uh, she was hoarse, which she did not connect to necessarily being acid reflux other than possibly, oh, maybe I'm hoarse because my vocal cords are getting um, this acid reflux or acid on them and it's damaging them. However, we did find that the hoarseness was being caused by something else. Um, it hurt for her to talk and she was experiencing extreme loneliness because she couldn't talk to her coworkers. It just, it was painful and hard and exhausting to talk. She couldn't exercise and she formerly was someone who really liked going to the gym and lifting some weights and getting some cardio in, but she literally could not exercise because she felt like she couldn't breathe. Um, she didn't, again, didn't connect that specifically to the entire situation of her gastroparesis, but this was connected. Um, she couldn't rotate her torso very far at all. She basically had constant mid and lower back pain. And again, that just kind of seemed to her like, well, that's just another problem that I have. She had constant neck pain. And she was basically told by her doctors that, actually her gastroparesis wasn't that bad compared to other patients that they had and that her stomach was emptying better than other people with gastroparesis. And so they honestly weren't even as concerned for her, even though 
just listening to this list of symptoms, I mean, clearly that is a miserable place to be. And it's basically, like I said, acid reflux on steroids, where it's just you already anybody if you experience acid reflux, you know what my client Elizabeth was going through, but then it's to the nth degree. So my client was very determined to not be stuck in this place for her whole life. She found my office and in her first evaluation, we found a massive amount of restrictions. And so we still kind of laugh about it today, how when she came in, she was like, I've got a, I've got gastroparesis. Can you do anything about it? And I was like, well, let's see. We need to physically evaluate your body. And so um, in her physical evaluation, we then found that there was all this history and context to her gastroparesis that made everything make sense of like, why did it start and, and what, would, what were some of the causes and, and what, what, why were all these symptoms, her low back pain, her neck pain, her difficulty exercise, her horses, how were they all connected? And so we found things in her physical body, right? This is not just, we've talked a lot um, on this podcast about functional medicine, lab testing, which is incredibly powerful. And we have done with her as well. But the most powerful thing that she has done is work with releasing fascial restrictions. She had been in a car accident one year prior to seeing me and her gastroparesis had started about six months after this pretty intense car accident, like totaled the car, um, had been uh the car, she'd actually been driving and she'd been hit on the left side of the car. And then her own left side had also been compressed and really damaged. And she'd actually gotten some physical therapy. And I'm learning this because I'm, I'm doing some, some testing with her. I'm doing physical evaluation. And I'm saying, Hey, your whole left side's really restricted and your left arm won't go above your shoulder. She basically had frozen shoulder and she goes, yeah, I've already gotten physical therapy for that. Um, and they just kind of say that's the best it's going to get. And it's due to this car accident. I'm like, Oh, you had a car accident. So we're, we're delving into this and it turns out that all of her fascia on her left side and, and as a as a visual context here, the stomach is on the left side, like the, the, not, not just the abdomen, but the actual part of our stomach, the, the one, the organ that has all the acid in it, it's on the left side of our body. And so uh, she'd had this impact and her whole lung pleura, which is a fascial encasing around the lung, had been basically adhesed to her rib cage and she couldn't lift her left arm above her shoulder, but her stomach also couldn't move. So her stomach had adhesions from the top. So this really starts to get into some anatomy. And if you imagine kind of putting your two hands, cupping your two hands together, so one hand is curved and then you just put... So I've got like my right hand and I kind of curve it um, like a hill and then I put my second hand over it. This is the relationship between the stomach and the diaphragm. So the stomach has this kind of fundus, this top part of it, and then the diaphragm lays right over it. Well, the diaphragm is massively impacted by all the organs above it. That includes lung, heart, esophagus, trachea. But really, lung, heart, and esophagus are three major factors. And so her diaphragm could not drop and press into her stomach and give it some of this motion that we need. Our, our diaphragm actually pumps the stomach and gives it some neurological innervation to say, okay, it's time to digest. And it also gives the stomach some, honestly, freedom, some mobility. 
so that it can digest. And she had lost all of that because of this car accident that had damaged her fascia and her fascia had become very, very restricted. She didn't have anything um, as far as like known, like even fractures on her, for example, on her ribs on the left side, but she did have this frozen shoulder. So we're looking at this. She has pleural ligaments, which are these ligaments that go from the top of the shoulder to the cervical spine, which is the neck, right? And that kind of holds up the whole lung tissue via the lung pleura. Those were extremely restricted on her left side. It was causing left neck pain. Um, she had an in inability to breathe into her belly, which she hadn't quite realized. She knew she couldn't breathe very well, hence not being able to exercise. But when I would ask her to, you know, just sit up and then kind of push her belly out with her breath, she couldn't at all. And that is something that I see probably in about at least 50% of my clients who have acid reflux, either they can't push the belly out or they can't pull it in um, or like lift the diaphragm, lift the rib cage. And I talk a little bit about this on my episode 46, The Gut-Breath Connection. So I would recommend that. It's in our show notes. Or you can go to episode 46. Again, that's The Gut-Breath Connection on how our breath and our diaphragm massively impact our gut. And so she couldn't do that. And so that was another part of my evaluation that just said, okay, you have a lot of fascial restriction. Because this is not like muscle weakness. This is not... Um, discoordination. This is literally <laughs> a barrier her body was coming against so that she couldn't breathe into her belly. And then her pyloric sphincter was frozen. This is a, a piece of anatomy that's the exit of the stomach. And so that that junction, it's kind of, it's a gateway from the stomach to the small intestine. And it's designed to both protect the small intestine from stomach acid so that stomach acid doesn't get into the small intestine and damage it. That's really important because it could, could kill you. It could massively damage organs. So that is a very, very tight, um, sphincter or it can get very tight and that wasn't functioning very well either for her. So those were some of the main big restrictions we found. She also had some restrictions around her heart when her pericardial ligaments. Um, but but the big one that we were like, wow, this is this is amazing and this is massive and this is going to change your life is her lung pleura. And it totally 100% correlated with her car accident. So her treatment after that was we did visceral manipulation. We did it once per week because um, partly her tissue was so stiff and frozen. It really made it hard to, we had to spend a lot of time with it to get it to start to have more vascularity in it and get more, which means getting more blood to the tissue so that the tissue was healthy and would start to open up and mobilize again. Um, it was a very slow healing process just because it was such a, thick there was so much thickening in her fascia uh, we did a three multi-hand sessions with my assistant and multi-hand sessions are where you actually have two or more therapists in this case it was two therapists working on the same person it can be very very helpful in speeding along healing and recovery um, or getting to getting the body in certain dynamics that you can't do with one therapist so we did three of those sessions with her um, over about a year period to really see sustained changes. And it's probably one of the longer cases I've ever had as far as um, most people do not need that many sessions. 
for so long, but that was part of her healing process. And along the way, I taught her how to do visceral stretching. We taught her how to do visceral breathing. And so she was able to do self-care and actually start to, throughout the week, mobilize these tissues that had basically gotten uh, restricted and adhesed after this car accident. So the outcome from all this was amazing. She went from two PPIs per day to one PPI at just at night, about every second or third day. She gained a lot of weight, at least for her, um, like healthy weight. She was able to start exercising again. Her mood liftness lifted. Her hoarseness went away completely, which we realized was actually a problem of her diaphragm not being able to create the proper pressure system to get good air flow to her vocal cords. And that was really fun at least, I mean, it wasn't fun for her to not be able to speak, but it was great because I am a trained vocalist. I don't know how much that's come up in this podcast. I'm a trained vocalist in classical singing. And so I've done a lot of body work related to the vocal cords because one of the unique things about singing is that your instrument is your body. So if you have problems in your body as a singer, you're going to have problems with your vocal cords and that you don't experience that nearly the same way with a violin or with a guitar. Like if the instrument has a problem, yes, go fix your instrument. Um, but in this case, if your instrument is your body, you have to fix your body. So her hoarseness was really like we had once we had multiple sessions, but one in particular where she was able to breathe significantly better and immediately her hoarseness went away, which just shows it wasn't the acid reflux. Yes, was the acid reflux potentially antagonizing her vocal folds 100%. But if that was the main cause, then it wouldn't just be like a night and day shift from doing some body work. So really was having to do with the entire mechanics of her body. Her mid and back pain went away. So she doesn't have that anymore. Her neck pain went away. Um, She's, I mean, which really also helped again, reinforce her being able to exercise her mood and it like completely improved because she was able to talk to her coworkers and be social again and work out, which was all part of mental health and just taking care of herself. And she was able to sleep through the night. And so that was all just from physical manual therapy, or in this case, specifically visceral manipulation, really huge changes. We did some craniosacral therapy as well because her dural tube, which is um, the protective casing around her spinal cord, also had a lot of restrictions in it from this left-sided impact to her body in a car accident. But that is her story. And that's just one example I wanted to give you of even if, I mean, she's the only client I've ever had with with specifically gastroparesis as a diagnosis, but that's basically the same anatomy that we're working with any with anyone who has acid reflux in general. We're looking at the interaction between the diaphragm and the stomach. We're looking at the lung pleura and the pleural ligaments of the lungs. We're looking at heart ligaments. We're looking at esophageal ligaments, both from the throat all the way down to the stomach. Um, we're looking at the actual stomach ligaments and how they're formed how you can breathe, all sorts of stuff. And so I have some initial additional, excuse me, anatomy that I wanted to bring up here because um, 
I don't know if it's just me and I'm a super nerd and I'm like, ooh, anatomy. But I, as I've been doing more and more learning and courses and classes on visceral manipulation and seeing the outcomes of improving clients' problems with IBS and constipation and acid reflux, it's amazing to me that I see this... Um, correlation with anatomy that no one talks about and no one knows about. And so we're not even equipped to say, oh, I actually could have a physical piece of tissue in my body that has a name, (laughs) it has a function, has a location, and it's causing these problems. And that's part of the reason we can even get very specific abdominal pain or very um, consistent abdominal pain because there's very specific structures in the body that could be more aggravated than other ones. So as an example, um, one thing I wanted to bring up is something called the ligament of trites, which is in the right around the diaphragm. So the ligament of trites has this really interesting, I mean, when I saw this thing the first time I was like, this really exists in the body. It does. I want you to imagine the diaphragm again. Um, and so remember the diaphragm is going to kind of be up into the rib cage. It, and then underneath it on the left side, you have that stomach. So you have one hand curved, kind of like a little hill. And then that diaphragm lays right over on top of it. And it almost looks like you're folding your hands in prayer or something, except your fingers aren't going to be interlaced. They're just one hand over the other, or you could even like make a fist, that'd be your stomach. And then one hand over that fist, that'd be the diaphragm. Well, then if you take that fist and you put one finger out, say your index finger, and then you wrap your top hand around that, that is the relationship of the esophagus to the stomach. So I want you to imagine that the esophagus has to puncture the diaphragm to get to the stomach. And if that diaphragm is restricted or the stomach is restricted, they won't glide very easily. And what will happen is the uh, sometimes the diaphragm itself gets has a problem and maybe you can't breathe very well. And then often if the diaphragm has a problem, then the stomach is going to have a problem and you'll have uh, something... A topic we're going to cover next week, which is difficulty swallowing, that will could pop up in the esophagus. And then similarly, acid reflux, because right at where that esophagus um, passes through the the diaphragm, we have the gastroesophageal sphincter or the cardiac sphincter. It's two different names for the same structure that closes. And that should be the valve that actually keeps acid reflux from happening. 100%. You could have lots of acid in your stomach. And for the most part, the stomach loves acid. That's it. it it's designed to be in an, in an acidic environment. It's actually less healthy for the stomach in general to have less stomach acid in it. And low stomach acid is also a more common cause of acid reflux than high stomach acid. And if you want to know more about that, I would encourage you again to check out those two episodes I talked about before, episode 24 and episode 68. Uh, Episode 68, I dive in a little bit more on the low stomach acid uh, fallacy or at least high stomach acid fallacy, I guess you could say. But either way, um, just kind of getting back to this, we're, we're talking about the ligament of trites. What's going on with the ligament of trites? So you have your diaphragm and off of the diaphragm, you have basically this, um, I want you to imagine a kind of like a hammock, like a, if you are a sling or something, if you were, had your arm in a sling, your neck is going to be that top of the esophagus. And then the arm 
there's this sling or this, uh, it's called the suspensory ligament or the ligament of trite. It's a go- trites. It goes down to the small intestine and it actually holds up the first third portion of the small intestine. Kind of gives it a little bit of a lift, like a facelift. Like, let me, li- let me just hold you up right here. And so there's this sling that goes from around the neck of the esophagus to down towards a a kind of little juncture or kink in the first third portion of the small intestine called the duodenum. All right. So if you have this visual in your mind of basically a sling kind of pulling at this top part of the esophagus or pulling at like the neck of the stomach and then holding up another portion of the small intestine, this very specific ligament, if it gets restricted, is going to do one of two things or both things at the same time. Number one, it could actually pull a kink into the small intestine and really create a lot of bloating and problems with food passing through that junction from the first third to the second third of the small intestine. That's the duodenal jejunal junction, um, if you want to know some names. Because these are real structures, guys. We're not making up stuff. It's not just I'm just poking around in the body. body. They're real, 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 real structures. And then you have um, that, that ligament of trites. Not only could it pull kind of a kink in the small intestine, it can also pull on the neck of the esophagus as it attaches to the stomach and create basically a problem for that sphincter to close. So I don't know if you guys have ever used um, a water bottle that has... Uh, I've seen these little water bottles that have like a plastic top piece at the end or at the top. And then there's a slit between the plastic and the way that you get water is you have to bite the, the straw. And then that little slit in the plastic opens up and you can pull water into it. And that's the same function. If you have compressive forces around a, around a, sphincter around a gateway, the gate cannot close because the forces are are actually keeping it open. And so I I hope all those visuals are super (laughs) clear, clear as dirt. Uh, But I hope it's sort of clear for you guys to understand that that ligament can get tight. And if you are wondering, well, how do, how does fascia get like injured or restricted? How does it get tight? I would encourage you to listen to episode 90, Fascia 101, where we talk about all the different ways um, that you can get restricted fascia because there's a lot of options. So whenever it comes to acid reflux, we're always thinking about what is the health of the fascia and organs above the diaphragm, at the diaphragm, and then below the diaphragm. And all of this has to do with the diaphragm's ability to drop and pump into the stomach, give that stomach nice mobility, not pinch that that opening from the esophagus to, or the transition point from the esophagus to the stomach, and then that that transition point being able to close and keep as stomach acid from getting up into the esophagus. If that is not all happening, then you're going to get acid reflux. And one of the things that, uh, again, people are not really talking about, one of the reasons that acid reflux can be worse at night is not because you ate food. It is because when you lay down, you actually put a little bit more strain between the stomach and the esophagus. So I want you to imagine when you're sitting up, uh, whether it's bad posture or normal posture, whatever, you fall forward just slightly. 
into your upper upper spine, right? So your your thoracic spine has this slight curve and there's just this slight little bunginess and it goes forward slightly. And also your head might go forward a little bit. It might go forward a lot if you have forward head syndrome and that's its own um, musculoskeletal problem that's going to be layered on top of acid reflux. I do recommend chiropractic care uh, for some of my acid reflux clients so that they get a whole body healing approach on top of visceral manipulation. However, um, if you imagine that the your esophagus and your stomach is kind of in the front of your body and there's this, you can put the whole system into ease. You can put the tissue a little bit more um not as tight, right? When you're sitting up. And then when you lay down, you actually uh, tighten that front system here between the stomach and the esophagus as you lean back and then that whole system gets tight. And that's what can cause the acid reflux. Not just did you eat, um, you know, within two hours of going to bed. It's another reason that also pregnant women can have more acid reflux at night because of all of their fascial system imbalances. And with me being pregnant, I've been really diligent with helping balance my fascia in my system with fascial stretching and fascial breathing. It's been really phenomenal. Um, and I highly recommend and something that I want to be putting out uh, both a course, but it's something I also do work with with my clients. If they get pregnant, if they're planning to get pregnant, um, if they're healing from pregnancy and giving birth, these systems get massively irritated because of all the basically shift in tissue and connective tissue from, from being pregnant and then from giving birth. But all that being said, um, that's actually why sleeping and then laying down can cause, that's one reason why it can cause acid reflux, not just, um, oh, you ate and you're, you ate quickly before going to bed and your stomach isn't full empty of food. Really, that shouldn't matter because that cardiac sphincter at the top of the stomach should close. That's it. It should close. And it'd just be like, not a problem. The door's closed. You know, at the top of the stomach, the doors closed at the bottom of the stomach. So those doors being open and not being able to close is a a main problem that is not being dealt with in the conventional healthcare system. So the one last thing that that I really do see physically that's going on with clients who are having acid reflux problems is that their stomach isn't able to to empty food or empty, the stomach isn't able to empty itself very well or as well. And the two main causes of that is one, low stomach acid. So the body's not digesting food very quickly. And that often will correlate also with quick feelings of fullness, lots of burping, um, just discomfort in maybe the whole abdomen or the left side, gas and bloating because you're not digesting your food super well. Um, so number one is low stomach acid. And again, check out episode 24, five ways to heal your acid reflux without pharmaceuticals, really talking about, um, about low stomach acid. And then the other thing being that the pyloric sphincter, the exit of the stomach is somehow dysfunctional or frozen. And that kind of leads us into what I want to call our activation point, because there's actually some really, there's three things that you could do right now to evaluate like, hey, am, am I personally having this problem? You do not need me in the room for this. So this is really fun. So you guys ready for some self-evaluation? <laughs> I hope that you enjoy this. A lot of my clients find this fascinating when I point this out to them. And so let's do this thing. So the first thing that I look for, um, if, if, I were, if I were you, 
if you were inside your body, the first thing that you can look for is what I call tenderness. And the question is, where is the tenderness that we're looking for? So I want you to put your hands on your rib cage, um, both of your ribs, and then bring them towards each other so that you find where your two ribs meet each other at your sternum in the front of your body. And from the sternum, you can bias your hands a little bit to the left side of the sternum. And the left side of the sternums, um, it is denotated or demarked by um, where the ribs hit it. So the sternum ends where the ribs start. So you'll start to feel some of the ridges of your ribs. And as long as you're just kind of like on that left side of the sternum and you can feel your ribs a little bit, you're in about the right spot. And after you're in doing that, your hands will still be kind of low to the bottom of your belly. You might even be able to feel your softness of your belly. Make sure you're on that bone and just go up a few ribs. And as you go up along this junction between the rib cage and the sternum, so still mostly in the center of your body, but, but moving along the left side of the rib cage because the stomach is fully on the left side of the body. It really doesn't go over into the right side at all. Um, as you're doing that, I want you to see, do you have any tenderness? For women, this is kind of going to the the area in our anatomy that we're going to be working along is kind of going to be along the medial side or the inside of the breast tissue. Uh, typically, we're never going to be much lower than the bottom of the breast tissue, and then we're not going to be go much higher than the t- where the top of the breast tissue starts. And that's kind of along the areas where you're going to be lo- feeling for tenderness. Right now, as I feel mine, I'm not feeling tons of tenderness. I have throughout my pregnancy intermittently felt a lot. And so I just know, whoops, that tissue is really irritated. Um, Where the tenderness comes from, some of our clients are like, maybe you're just pushing somewhere you shouldn't. I mean, all it is is some bone and some skin. There is some muscle fibers that are nearby, but they really shouldn't be causing pain. Just the same way if you go and shake your bicep, it shouldn't cause too much pain. it's just a, a healthy muscle is just really soft and supple. So if you're feeling some tenderness here, what it's a sign of is typically what we call ischemia. That's the scientific term. And what it means is a low, poor blood flow or, or low blood flow to to blood to tissue and that will create tenderness Uh, tenderness can also come from if there are restrictions underneath the rib cage every time you breathe which is about twenty thousand times per day your body's having to work extra hard to not to to actually try and pull the rib cage out and pull some air into the lungs so typically those are the two things i'm seeing causing pain is the ischemia or lack of blood flow to this tissue because if they're if it's restricted it's basically like pinching a straw and a lot of those capillaries the really really small blood vessels are not getting blood to every single part of that tissue and the tissue is nice and angry and this is all underneath the rib cage but it's coming through as you press um, again don't have to press super hard uh, I didn't say that explicitly but we're just kind of um, feeling up and down on the left side of that sternum. And then if you are feeling along the way, you kind of come across one spot that's like extra tender and it feels like, you know, you're on one rib, you're on another rib, you're in between ribs and you come across maybe a really tender spot. Again, um, especially if you are a woman, we have the nice little guidance of our breast tissue. We're going to be kind of be at the very bottom of it on the close to the sternum. So close to our 
the middle of our body, right? And then all the way to the top. And you find that one sore spot, then that is possibly, it's like extra sore, very possibly is your cardiac sphincter. It hangs around the fifth and sixth rib for most people. That might seem very high up in your body to realize your stomach is that high up, but it is. Uh, That's because the diaphragm is that high up. And so the diaphragm is up high and then the stomach again is kind of suctioned right under it. And uh, this, most of the stomach is covered by the rib cage. A little bit of it peeks out at the bottom of the rib cage, unless you're pregnant like me, in which case um, my poor little uterus is com- currently compressing my stomach into who knows where. <laughs> I don't know how it's working, but all that being said, that could be your cardiac sphincter and that could be a location of very strong tenderness if it's dysfunctional, if there's tenderness or excuse me, if there's acid reflux, if there's difficulty swallowing, if there's um, restrictions around the stomach, lung pleura, diaphragm, things like that. So that's the first evaluation you can do is just looking for tenderness on that left side of your sternum uh, between the connections of the, the ribs and the, and the sternum. Um, along the the left side of the body. So the second thing to look for is possibly a little bit easier. Um, We're going to be looking for a ridge on your left rib cage. And I mean, I had never, this is something I've just seen in my practice. This is not something that's uh, was ever pointed out by another practitioner, but I've just noticed that a lot of clients who have acid reflux you're going to end up seeing a ridge on the left rib cage or feeling one that is that is not on the right rib cage. So what happens is that well and what you can do let's 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 get your hands on your body first. So you can put your left palm and your right palm on your rib cage and it might kind of might your your elbows will probably have to wing out a little bit so you'll look like you're like if you imagine putting your hand on your waist in like Superman pose that's, you know, you put your hand on the soft part of the belly, but then if you put it up higher, you're going to kind of have your palms uh, on the rib cage and you can go up a little bit higher. Again, for women, uh, a nice line to be at. You can kind of be around where the bra line might be. Um, And you can see why bras are so annoying to some women, because if you have a lot of restrictions inside of the rib cage, then you have all these restrictions, they pull inwards and you're having to fight against it every time you breathe or move or turn or swallow all of those pressures, they're not making space. Well, then when you add a uh, outside force that might be a bra and put a band around you and then compress it. You now have an internal force pulling you in and an external force pulling you in. And every time you try to breathe or swallow or digest, um, from the inside and try to get a bit of space, you're not getting a lot of space. So that's actually another thing, just another sign that you could benefit from visceral manipulation and that that might be fascial restrictions might be a part of your acid reflux is just you find bras really irritating and you have to be really picky about which ones you use and does it have wiring in it? Does it, you know, how tight is it? Where does it support you? Does it support you a lot in your shoulders, etc. those things. So you have your hands on your rib cage and what you're going to be looking for is a difference between your left and your right rib cage. Uh, right rib cage is typically going to be pretty smooth. Um, I typically don't see ridges here too often unless you have a really strong restriction in your right triangular ligament of your liver. That's a topic for another day. However, more commonly, we're going to be looking for a ridge in the left rib cage. 
and it's just going to feel like your right rib cage is nice and round. It's going to be a little bit more of a smoother surface as it comes from the back to the front. You can kind of pull your palm. I, I you The palm is going to be a little bit better surface to evaluate with because fingers, they're too small. So don't poke around in this one, but just put your whole hand on it and see, can you feel a ridge? So I have a little ridge. Um, I honestly am pretty sure mine used to be bigger. I've never bothered measuring it or anything like that. Um, however, I do know that I used to have chronic acid reflux along with my IBS in 2015. Um, and I've gotten lots of visceral manipulation and done lots of functional healing. So I probably have a lot less pressure here going on. But the ridge on the left side comes from this internal pulling of the restricted ligament, visceral ligaments in fascia. And then your body's rib cage trying to pull out and lift out with its muscles as it breathes. Again, you breathe 20,000 times a day. And so over time, you give that six months, a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, I get some clients who come in with almost this like box shape to their rib cage where they've got like a corner on the left side of their ribs and it is not that way on the right. And the reason I keep up bringing up the right is some clients are like, well, maybe that's just how my rib cage was formed. I'm like, well, your right side isn't that way. And it's, it's actually part of the adaptation of the body tissue uh, as it is responding to forces inside and around it. So that's a second thing you can look for if you're like, hey, is fascia at all a part of what's going on in my, or fascial restrictions, a part of my acid reflux problem? And the third evaluation you can do yourself, you can put your hands back on your rib cage um, where your kind of bottom of your hand, your pinkies are cupping around your the curve of your rib cage. Bring your fingers together until you come to that center of the rib cage, which is the bottom of the sternum, also called the xiphoid process. And then just really slowly, really small steps, you can take your index finger, your middle finger, even your ring finger, and kind of feel down from the sternum right below it. Just put, just create this little trail towards the belly button. You won't go very far. It's typically going to be a half an inch to an inch. I have seen lower than that, but half an inch to an inch below your sternum. You're going to come across, if you have this problem, you might come across something that feels like a marble or like a really hard spot in your body. Like maybe right below the sternum, it's pretty soft. You can kind of press in a little bit with your fingers. You just go one finger width below. You press in again. Um, maybe it's a little firmer or it's still really soft. You go one finger width below that area. And then you kind of hit something perhaps. I'm a little, I, I don't count right now because my uterus, I end up hitting it because I'm third trimester pregnant and due in uh, less than 30 days, y'all. But with that, with that, if you have a dysfunction in your pyloric sphincter and your pyloric sphincter is either slow or it's frozen, it will actually have a hard marble-like texture. I mean, some of my clients legit will say, oh my gosh, it feels like a marble. Like I can feel it, like this hard spot. And that's just the nodding up and the, the spasm of that sphincter in the body. So um, you might not have that. This isn't something I see with everyone because that sphincter can kind of go in and out of dysfunction throughout the day. Um, but if you're ever having acid reflux actively, if you're discomfort uncomfortable after eating, if you're having some nausea or quick feelings of fullness after eating, I would just go and feel this area at that time and say, do I notice a hardening 
either either a firmness in that area or even just like a straight up marble texture because sometimes that marble is really palpable. So that's a sign of the stomach and viscerospasm, and it's why visceral restrictions of the stomach can be so painful and uncomfortable in the abdomen on top of having acid reflux. So the solution to all of this is visceral manipulation, visceral stretching, and visceral breathing. It's what I teach my clients to do um, for their own self-care, and then also what I do with my clients as a part of our specialty at our at Better Belly Therapies, at our office, of working both with the physical tissues of the body and using functional lab testing to make sure that we are getting all the areas that are needed to really fully address IBS, acid reflux, constipation, difficulty swallowing, headaches, migraines, you name it. So just as a reminder, like Allison has walked away and she no longer has frozen shoulder. She can reach for cups. She can wash her hair. She can do all sorts of stuff. She no longer has neck pain. She no longer has mid and lower back pain. That has to do with how the how the um, diaphragm attaches to the rib 11 and 12 in the back and then also the first and second lumbar spine. So that's kind of our, our lowest vertebrae right? That's all part of that connection. She doesn't have that pain anymore. She can twist her torso. She can bend down without any pain. Um, she isn't horse. She's a totally new person. And so you are not stuck. If Allison was stuck with gastroparesis and she no longer has it, you are not stuck with acid reflux anymore. So uh, if you have acid reflux, difficulty swallowing, excessive burping, quick feelings of fullness, uh, any of these signs, then you will likely benefit from visceral manipulation. If you're local to the Metro Detroit area, I would love to see you in our office and you can schedule a new client appointment at betterbellytherapies.com slash book now. Or if you are not local to our clinic or don't want to travel to us, you can find a visceral manipulation practitioner near you by using our easy to use guide at betterbellytherapies.com slash find. You'll be taken to our website, which has a link to um, a the hub of visceral manipulation, their website, and I have instructions on how to evaluate a practitioner, how to, you know, tips and tricks on how to get the best search results possible and then evaluate those search results when you do them. So you can go to betterbellytherapies.com slash find to find a practitioner near you. All right, guys. Well, I hope you liked today's episode. And I do want to encourage you to tune in next week for a follow-up episode. It's going to be called The Fascial Solution to Difficulty Swallowing, aka How to Swallow Pills Like a Boss. This is going to be closely connected to today's topic, but it deserves an episode of its own. It'll be an eye-opening discussion on a common experience of difficulty swallowing food or even painful swallowing. So you won't want to miss it. And if you have a question that you want to ask me, you want my input on, maybe you had a question after today's episode, or you have a topic that you want me to talk about that maybe I haven't talked about on our podcast yet, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash askallison. I have a new special way to submit a question. You can just click record and record your voice and your actual question. It can be anonymous. You can put your name in, whatever you prefer, and ask your question. You may be featured on this podcast and you can get my thoughts directly into your burning question. 
Well, if you love this episode, we have even more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you thought of a friend while you were listening to this podcast episode, I know we all have those friends with acid reflux. I encourage you take a screenshot and send it to that friend. Let them know they're not stuck with acid reflux. They can be free from it. Other ways that you can support us is by leaving a rating and review on our podcast. You just go down to the show notes and go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review there. And other ways that you can follow us and stay in conversation is by going to Instagram and following us at Better Belly Therapies. That is at Better Belly Therapies. I would love to connect and see you guys there. And to end today's podcast, a reminder, our motto Miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. Catch you guys next week.